Well, let's let's jump into the series. What I want to do is just kind of talk a little bit about kind of your thinking behind uh, the characters and the way you approach this this challenging story, and then we'll get towards the end towards some of the design work um, behind the series. So, Dominion Fall of the House of Saul this is an innovative approach to telling the biblical story through vibrant art and creative science uh, fantasy design. Baron, why the story of Saul? Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter. So each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Andy Hale, your CBF Podcast host. And this year we're celebrating our seventh year of the podcast, bringing you even better interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online, share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Pasadena, California, Louisville, Kentucky, Beaverton, Oregon, and Frankfurt, Germany. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We want to give a special shout out to some of our listener supporters, including Caroline Bell, Trip Hawthorne, Cindy Foldenlore, Bill Johnson, Carson Fucci, Ralph Stocks, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors, including Central Seminary, the CBF Church Benefits, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. This podcast is presented to you by Central Seminary a historic Baptist seminary founded in Kansas that now is diverse, cross-cultural, and ecumenical with a significant global footprint. Leading with the values of community, empathy, growth, and tenacity, Central Seminary equips students with the theological knowledge, spiritual insight, and practical skills needed to lead in an ever-changing world. We cultivate an inclusive, multi-language community of reflection where critical thinking and discernment are welcomed and encouraged. Central offers numerous graduate degrees and certificates, including Doctorate of Ministry in Creative Leadership, Master of Arts in Counseling, Certificates in Chaplaincy Studies, and Peace and Justice Ministries, and much more. Most programs are offered fully online. To learn more, visit cbts.edu or search for Central Seminary Kansas City. Our guests for this week's CBF podcast conversation are Dr. Baron Bell and Daniel Hancock. Dr. Bell is a comic book writer and penciler, teaching at George Fox University and Liberty University. Daniel is a director, playwright, and screenwriter. They are part of a collaborative team at Terminus Media. Baron and Daniel, thank you for joining the conversation. Thank you for having us. Excited to be here. So let's get to know you, uh, you and your work a little bit better. Uh, Baron, how, how did you get into comic books? It's uh, been a long, wonderful journey. <laughs> I would say, um, I would say my, can I say addiction? <laughs> uh, my, my love for comics started at, I think I went uh, eight years old and uh, an older brother of mine um, brought home like this big gigantic suitcase of comics, a whole suitcase full of comics. He was traveling, came back and I'm like, I don't even know you can, I didn't even know that there was that many comics 
to be able to fit into a suitcase because I really wasn't very familiar. Uh, and uh, he had them and I opened it up and I was like, my mind and my eyes were dazzled with the views of the X-Men and um, you know all sorts of different Marvel superheroes. And it was just like, where has this been all my life? And so ever since then, um, I'd been on this kind of a journey of discovery and having my imagination opened up to storytelling and different ways that you could actually convey um, not just entertainment, but truth through comics or through animation or through whatever. And um, I think at that time when, when I got introduced to comics, that's really when I got introduced to the love of art as well. Um, I'd been drawing on the walls and my mom didn't like that. So she had to get me a sketchbook. And um, the good thing is she really, she saw the spark and she invested in, in my talent. And uh, you know, that's one thing I always tell, tell parents is like, if you see, if you see that talent, you just really just drill down into it and invest in it because you just never know, um, you know, you might have, you know, the next uh, George Lucas or whoever on your hands. So it's like, but uh, I went to school specifically to study film initially um, back at Syracuse University. But then I got into um, animation um, and uh, eventually I made my way over to Regent University because it was a Christian school, really good film school. Um, and they had, a, had and still have a very solid film department, but they also had a really solid animation department as well. And they had one of those old school Disney Oxbury uh, Rostrum cameras where it's like at that time animation was going more towards a computer but you know um regent had that old camera and so i did my first you know animated little project on that and believe it or not that project was kind of like the the prototype for what we're doing now with dominion all these years later where is um, that? I've not. I've never seen that before. What is no the story one on has, that one? No one has ever seen it. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll show you some uh, some of the stills that I have from it. But yeah, it's it's really. Uh, I've been I've been trying to really formulate a, a good way to tell a, a biblical story that's really cool and sci-fi driven um, for a long, long time. Um, yeah. And eventually, I moved out to LA. Um, I'm sorry, this may be taking a little bit too long, but, um, and uh, uh, there, that's when I actually got into comics, believe it or not. Uh, I went out there to sell an animated uh, TV series, but ended up getting more attention for my work in comics because I was doing this, um, uh, this book, self-published book called Cobalt Warrior Angel. And uh, that got uh, some attention from some of the people over at Warner Brothers. At that point in time, they were doing, uh, there's a married couple, um, uh, Gina, I think it's Gina Prince Blythewood. She's doing a whole lot of stuff now, actually, these days. And uh, her husband, they were doing a movie called Biker Boys at the time. And uh, they saw my book and they were like, whoa, this is groundbreaking stuff about a teenage, a Black teenage angel who was trapped in human form and all that other stuff. So it was really cool. As you know, with movies, you know, sometimes things go and sometimes they don't. That one didn't go. But, you know, I, I you know, have 
gotten the spark to continue to do comics and and kind of like as a backdoor to getting into film and animation and so that's kind of the direction we're headed with what we're currently doing right now um lastly and i promise i'll wrap this up uh fast forward to 2009 um i was dabbling with a story about uh, World War III from the urban perspective called Radio Free America. And um, I was, I've always been interested in like geopolitics, uh, but, but really how does it affect the people on the ground and the people I know and the people who live around me? Because I never really saw that in sci-fi. You know, when you see like post-apocalypse, you don't really see the hood. <laughs> I mean, you see the destruction of the hood, but you don't really see the people. And, you know, so, uh, so I really was interested in doing that and, you know, telling a story from kind of like a hip hop perspective. And so uh, Radio Free America, I always call it Red Dawn Meets the Wire. It's uh, World War Three from the urban perspective. And the protagonist is a DJ and he somehow um, created a code that he could weave into beats and scratches to kind of alert rebel fighters. Um, and believe it or not, the Russians took over. So it's kind of uh, interesting that we see what's going on today in, in, in geopolitics. But um, okay, I'm pretty much done. Fast forward, <laughs> we, we, we reached this time and we got into Dominion, but we'll be talking about Dominion soon. Yeah, and, and we're going to pull Daniel into the conversation here in a second, but there's a couple of things I want to go back to. Number one is I would love to see that last story be made into a, uh, a series uh, it sounds absolutely uh, amazing but i do want to go back to it. we're, we're uh, actually know. working on it okay all right uh so going back you mentioned x-men earlier uh you know as a, as a comic book uh nerd myself growing up uh what, what were what were your go-to comics growing up um the uh x-men they had this one one i think it was was their first uh real graphic novel um where it's interesting because I, I think one of the reasons why I was drawn to X-Men was because uh, the X-Men somehow um, uh, referenced and was a parallel to discrimination, uh, racial discrimination, whatever. And because they were mutants, they were discriminated upon. And, and those types of stories really kind of grabbed me very, very quickly. Uh, and so then uh, I think this was back during the, the Mark Silvestri days when he was doing X-Men. And um, it, it, anytime I saw like, you know, uh, New Mutants, Weapon X, um, uh, House of M, uh, those are like some of the, the classic X-Men stories. And, and even recently, nowadays, it's like the, the, the House of X or the... the powers of 10 house of whatever anyways so it's really the the latest uh, versions are kind of harkening back to those older uh comic runs and so anything that's dealing with something that's a little bit more elevated than entertainment that's really kind of what i what i loved yeah i think a lot of people you know might be surprised especially those that didn't read comic books or thought co comic books were childish first of all i have a i have a lot of words to say to you but maybe i wouldn't be allowed to say them on the podcast but um you know comic books have always been able to transcend culture and political conversations and especially what's happening within society and you're right i mean x-men if you read back to some of the aspects of 
uh, what was going on in the Marvel offices at the time that they were creating these conversations was around the race relations within the United States. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, as a kid, that's what drew me to X-Men. I, I couldn't put my finger on it then, but as I matured and grew and understand why I was so attracted to that, because I've always been kind of, um, kind of the person that doesn't lean towards, you know, um, the, the, the way that our society ostracized people. I've always been, how do, how do we go towards those that are the outcasts, the marginalized within our society? So, well, uh, you know, what, what grabbed me too was they, they, they created a pejorative for mutant and they call it nudie. And I'm like, hmm, you know, as a black man, I am familiar with pejoratives. <laughs> and so uh, I said, you know, the, the way they kind of created this marginalized group of people who were extraordinary humans who had these powers, but they made the powers kind of like a, a negative. It was like a noose or a cross to hang around, a, a burden that they would have to carry. And I do remember one, one cover, you may very remember this, Andy, uh, the, uh, it was a cover with Wolverine and he was stretched across an X like Jesus on a cross. That right there is burned into my imagination. I'm like, wow, that really says everything you need to know. Yeah. Well, oh, hey, Daniel, we got Daniel here too. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> you know, when, when you start talking about comics uh, and then you've got, you know, somebody who writes them, it's hard for me to, to resist as I look around my office and see all my, uh, well, some of my comic book stuff up up in my office here but uh daniel uh you know how did you get into writing and directing yeah um yeah my my journey to comics was a little unexpected but i started out just making whatever i wanted to make my imagination as a kid you know i started writing plays which was something that i could produce on my own uh, i formed a theater group called bible actors productions back when i was 14 and uh, ever since then, we kind of grew and continued to make more and more different uh, kinds of productions and toured around the state of Michigan doing shows like that, Bible shows, but other ones as well. You know, we did uh, all kinds of creative projects, music stuff, lots of different uh, events and things like that, and connected with lots of local churches and schools and other things throughout the years. Um, but I continue to write and, uh, you know, I'm working on, I actually was a theater and creative writing teacher for a couple of years as well. and. Uh, and through the process of doing that, uh, you know, I'm always interested to see uh, new projects, what other people are doing, finding creative ways to take Bible stories to the next level. Uh, a lot of it for me was, you know, as a kid, I read the Bible and, you know, played like a movie in my mind. And I saw all the layers and details and thought it was so, so awesome. And uh, a lot of my uh, work was to try and bring that out, you know, and help other people kind of see it from that perspective and, and really, uh, you know, grab onto some of those awesome truths and, uh, and stories from the Bible. So when I came across um, Dr. Bell's artwork on Instagram, and I was joke because I was I'm like never on Instagram. I'm you know getting too old for this stuff, and <laughs> I'm always trying to stay hip though. And I jumped on there and saw some of the artwork, and was just you know uh, amazed at the the creativity and and uh, at the idea that this was being based in First Samuel, uh, you know, for our project. So I immediately reached out and were able to connect and. Uh, from there, you know, kind of found my long lost brother here and, uh, and we've been working on stuff ever since. So it's, uh, it's been great to be able to jump into this world. And, you know, my experience with, uh, with comic books mostly comes from the movies. I wasn't a comic book nerd 
you know, myself growing up, uh, I love the cartoons like Batman, the animated series and, you know, X-Men and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I didn't really get into the books, you know, like you guys are describing, you know, really reading them or, or like learning about that world. But when the movies started coming out, you know, Spider-Man, uh, you know, came out the year I graduated, you know, and I remember watching that on the big screen and being like, this is, this is awesome. It's a new wave of, of cinema, you know, a new, a new style of storytelling that's going to go somewhere. And uh, sure enough, it, you know, obviously has, you know, uh, the movies from, from that time forward have just continued to get bigger and better. Uh, X-Men was another one that came out around that time, you know, it was really awesome. And to see that kind of stuff being brought to the screen. And so for me, from the dramatic side of it, you know, seeing that these stories could be told uh, that way in such a, such an awesome and exciting way. And, uh, you know, that, you know, and then the idea of maybe being able to bring that kind of energy to my telling of biblical stories was something that I I set out to do and then was able to connect with Baron who's who's got that same heart and that same idea and so uh, Dominion has been a great fit for me to be able to jump on board with Terminus and and to be able to do exactly what I've always wanted to do which was to breathe new life into those those awesome stories help people connect with them well I, you know I would say uh, being a a lover of comic books and this era of comic book movies is both a blessing and a curse it's a blessing because you know what's going to happen, but then when it doesn't happen the way it did happen, then you go all nerdy. And my wife is like, "Shut up! I don't want to hear about this." <laughs> Yours too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or my kids. You know, I've got my kids into it too. I'm like, "Yeah, but this is what really happened." And can you believe they've changed this around? And you know, then then you've got this whole thing around you know Marvel when they're you're purging resources or having to sell off all these characters, and the reason they had to swap this character for this character because they don't own the rights for it, but now they do. So, anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I wrote an article for Christian Post called The Death of the Superhero. And uh, it really was talking about that thing where these uh, superhero stories or superhero properties, they're, they're these commodities that uh, somehow seem to be co-opted by uh, social agendas and uh, different writers who really don't know the, the source material or even the fandom, but they're wanting to interject their, their, pop, their political viewpoint into characters and, and, and just really you know, morphing and changing characters into things that we don't even really recognize. And so, yeah, I definitely hear what you're, you're saying in regards to that. Well, let's, let's jump into the series. What I want to do is just kind of talk a little bit about kind of your thinking behind uh, the characters and the way you approach this, this challenging story. And then we'll get towards the end, towards some of the design work um, behind the series. So Dominion, Follow the House of Saul. This is an innovative approach to telling the biblical story through vibrant art and creative science uh, fantasy design. Baron, why the story of Saul? Because Saul is complicated. And, and also because Saul is not David. Um, to begin with, with, with uh, the founding of the, the kingdom of Israel, um, a lot of people would like to, to, be, to think that it started the moment that David felled Goliath, but it actually started before that. Uh, it started with King Saul, with a very uh, a powerful but flawed individual um, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I think I'm just kind of drawn to the, the complexities of, of, of humanity, of the fact that you can be, you know, a, a, you know, anointed and ordained, but still have flaws. Um, Saul was picked 
to be the king. He was, he was selected, God selected him. Um, but he unfortunately was unequipped to, to be a good king. Um, he had a lot of uh, frailty that he you know, had to experience. And unfortunately that was um, uh, the negative effect affected not only the kingdom, but his family directly. And so um, to see this kind of a family drama in the midst of this biblical epic tale uh, was something that really drew me. Uh, and this is when I was coming off of a few years of not having done comics. I went to get a PhD and, um, you know, I was kind of disillusioned with comics, to tell you the truth, after Radio Free America. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, I was kind of growing as a Christian um, and wanting to do more things Christian-based and, and something that was biblical, but I didn't want to do anything that would be uninteresting to me or uh, to, you know, the, the populace. And so when I was looking for a story to do, and I knew I was going to do a Bible story, I just didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but I wanted to be something. And so I, I was looking around and seeing what was popular at the time. And everybody was loving Game of Thrones. Everybody loved Game of Thrones. And so uh, and so I said, well, that'd be kind of a cool, I mean, because if you look at the story of, of King Saul, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, uh, except for without all the, the objectionable material. <laughs> well, there's, well, there, well. There, there's, there's still stuff, <laughs> there's some. But, you know, but not, we, didn't, we don't have to portray it like Game of Thrones. Right. But, but I was thinking that, you know, it would be really cool to tell an epic tale of the, the beginning of something but also the, the end of something too. Um, the, that's why I, I named it Dominion Fall of the House of Saul to, to look and see how did it start to fall? How did it start to crumble? Where, where was the beginning of this fall? And so when we start our book, when we come right into it, it's at that moment where uh, Saul is being um, reproached by um, Samuel for um, disobeying God with, with the Amalekites. Um, and they just won a great victory. But at that very moment in the height and the zenith of, of the triumph, you know, he's losing the kingdom because he disobeyed. And I'm like, man, that's such an interesting story. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's tragic, actually. And so, uh, yeah, that really intrigued me. And, you know, and I, I wouldn't say I'm a Bible scholar, but I love the Bible. I, I read it voraciously. And, you know, it's true. Every time you read the Bible, you can find something new in it. Uh, and so I said, well, let me delve deeper into who Saul was and, and, you know, look at the biblical text, look at extra biblical texts, look at anything I possibly could find. And so I, I did that. I went on a journey and did a deep dive into Saul and his family. And, and I found a basis for a story. Um, that I could tell, but I wanted to elevate it. Not that you can ever elevate the Bible, but you can elevate storytelling and uh, take it to places where an audience would find interesting in this day and age, uh, especially with kids who are glued to computer screens and phones and whatever. And like, well, what, what, what are they interested in? Well, they love comics 
they love sci-fi, they love video games, they love animation. And so I'm like, okay, how can I take all this stuff and kind of weave it into this thousands year old tale and make it relevant? And that's where Dominion. This podcast is presented to you by CBF Church Benefits. At CBB, your benefits are our ministry. For 25 years, CBF Church Benefits has proudly served the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, providing retirement benefits and insurance services for CBF-affiliated church ministries and staff, along with CBF field personnel in Atlanta and around the world. CBB helps simplify the administrative burdens of your retirement plan, allowing you and your ministry staff to focus on your ministry. CBB can also help you maintain your overall benefit package, including life and disability benefit and international medical insurance for international missions. Through generous philanthropic support, CBF Church Benefits recently launched the Financial Wellness Initiative. This new initiative offers ministers the opportunity to receive financial relief grants, financial education experience, and financial planning services. Please visit CBF Church Benefits website at churchbenefits.org to learn more about CBB, our benefits, and the financial wellness opportunities designed to help you thrive in your mission and ministry. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. The story I saw, as you said, is a, it's a tragic story of, you know, a man ordained by God to be king, but stumbles and falls over his ability to obey God's desires. You know, at the same time, his replacement, David, wasn't exactly the uh, creme de la creme. <laughs> you know, David <laughs> not only slept with one of his best fighting men's wife, he got her pregnant and then has the guy essentially murdered. He's a horrible father, neglecting his children, going as far as doing nothing when one of his daughters is raped. Uh, and, and never mind his ability uh, to put God's people before his narcissistic son, uh, Absalom. You know, David, as uh, Daniel, as you think about uh, David, um, you know, is is his ineptness, uh, you know, do you think that's conveyed in, in this series or is it a potential next series? Uh, as we, you know, we think so awfully about Saul, but David wasn't that great of a guy either. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that we've had to kind of discuss and, and work through. Uh, one of the things that we did decide to do is that in this particular arc that we're currently working on, it kind of concludes with David on his high note in, and being enthroned, uh, you know, and so yeah, the next series may be the story of David and his his fall. But currently, what the role that he's playing inside of the Dominion storyline is that of the of the hero, the man after God's own heart, the one, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of, um, and we do we do have that kind of bittersweet uh, undercurrent going on, you know, where we're going to be tying in David's shortcomings as well, but uh, we do see. A pattern you know of Saul 
being chosen and then falling short and, uh, and then getting replaced, you know, and so the potential for David to do the same thing is kind of always there. So that tension is something that we're working into it. So yeah, I'm definitely trying to, to bring out uh, David's good qualities in this series and kind of build him up as that heroic figure that's going to be the guy that's going to make things right. But of course, we know that he won't be, uh, you know, able to do, you know, everything that he could or should do in the long run. But for now, yeah, he's he's kind of that idealized um, heroic figure. Uh, but uh, you know, we have we have uh, a lot of complexities that are you know working into that script. But you know what, well. though, it, it, I don't want you know people to misunderstand. We we we're not um, doing a caricature of of Saul. Um, Saul was a complex king. He was a he was a person. He 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 did have some some good attributes. Um, the only thing is he, you know, like many fathers uh, today, you may not have had the tools to, to, to learn how to be a good dad, you know, or, or how to be a good husband and, and partner. And so we do empathize at some points with Saul. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of panels, even book one, where, you know, if I ha I've had many people who some of them have never read the Bible, some of them who have read the Bible, where they're like, wow, you know, I really uh, can relate to, to this loss that he's experienced. Um, and so, uh, you know, the way we're, we're doing this is, is we're showing Saul uh, as this character who is constantly on this, this hunt to reclaim uh, the love of God, the love of the people, um, you know, his legitimacy as a king, um, his friendship with, with Samuel, because, you know, Samuel was his friend. And at a certain point in time, Samuel says, nope, I'm gone. And, you know, it's all it's like, where is my friend? And, and so, also the favor of the almighty, you yeah. know, ultimately, you know, he, he is, he wants to try and set things right. Right. Um, you know, so the question, you know, for a lot of this is, you know what what's going on we go deep into the mind of a character like this you were picked you were put into this role mm -hmm. as king uh you you don't you don't measure up you're not doing it the way that it needs to be done you're failing or you're getting proud or arrogant you know in your in your decision making or maybe passive a lot of I think of a difference between David and Saul why David's going to be the one to step up is because of boldness you know a lot of times I, I think one of the reasons why God calls David the man after his own heart was for that reason. We could probably picture David, you know, playing the harp and being a sweetheart, but truth be told, he was a warrior, you know, and he was doing a lot. He had too much blood on his hands to build the temple later, you know, later on in the story. Uh, so I think it was his boldness and his willing to, willingness to act um, with, that, with that in mind uh, that was probably a, a feature that God was interested in. So I think Saul, by contrast, in some of this stuff, he kind of starts to like favor the people's uh, opinion of him he stops making those bold decisions like he needs to uh needs to do uh becomes more self-centered you know uh and, and so uh, yeah that's what we want to see that contrast between those two characters but definitely complex um characters we're going to love Saul on one page and then a few pages later you know think he's the worst thing ever and then be pulled back you know it's uh and, well, and right I mean, now, we're like also the also the, the family drama too. I mean, you know, you, 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 we, we are building and actually we're, we are, I mean, taking characters that are obscure and have obscure references like a the queen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Michael, I want to come back to that here in, in a little bit and do a deep dive. 
Yeah, uh, so yeah, the family it, drama is important. Well, you know, there's a couple things. One is, you know, with Saul too, you've got probably, obviously, some some significant mental health issues, you know, and uh, how do we address that in the day and age? I've, I've found that Saul is a wonderful character to talk about that in the church and how we respond to that. And also kind of religiously how sometimes that's, that kind of stuff is overlooked. I am fascinated because again, I only got volume one. Um, I'm dying to know, <laughs> is there, is there a, a part in the series about when uh, they try to resurrect <laughs> Samuel's spirit from the grave? Um, I'm dying to know. Alert, that man, you're jumping ahead yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of like you know. I guess I guess this is kind of like spoiling to my children what's going to happen in the comic book movies because I read the comics, you know. Okay, so we won't go there. That's that's enough to know. You know spoiler there, but yeah, yeah, it's there. It's there. Uh, so you know, in in many ways, the story of of Saul and Jonathan and Michal and Samuel and David, it's a political saga, and, and there's intrigue and backstabbing and backdoor deals and threats and murder and suicide. Um, I'm I'm glad you alluded to this earlier about uh you know um, Game of Thrones. I actually did a sermon series, a six month sermon series years ago called the Game of Thrones, just on First and Second Samuel. Um, uh, you know, uh, Baron, what do you think are some of the lessons we can glean from Saul and David's story with implications to really our day and age that's so divided, not just socially and politically, but also theologically? I mean, how many churches, um, you know, are creating more division than unification? And what, yeah. what do you think we can learn, not just obviously from this comic book series, but also from their story? about maybe how a better way yeah you, you know sunday dr king said sunday is the most segregated day of the week and he's right he's right it still is even even years later after his passing um i don't think that we have figured it out yet you know what i'm saying i mean you i think that there are efforts but the church needs to learn how to loosen up a little bit i had to say it but it's true but the thing that you can learn from, from our story, our, our interpretation of, of the story of, of, of First and Second Samuel uh, and the Bible itself is that, and Daniel, we were just talking about this the other day, no matter how ardently Saul tried to kill David, David was not wanting to kill Saul. As, if anything, he would kill someone who tried to kill Saul. That level of forgiveness is something that we can all benefit from practicing and learning. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, you know, yes, our story, we, we, we hit all of the, the beats that will get the juices flowing for action and adventure. And of course we wanna do that, but, but we, we also wanna drill down on the deeper truths of forgiveness, of redemption, of love, of going that extra mile to do the hard thing. And so I think that's something that we can all take from this and, 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 and integrate into our current lives. Um, as believers, we should be setting the standard that the world should be able to follow, but we're not doing it. Daniel, your thoughts? Yeah, and in a lot of ways, too, um, we're telling a story. It's inspired, loosely inspired by the uh, the book of First Samuel. 
it's not an adaptation or even, you know, it's not really allegorical or anything like that. It's, it's really very loose inspiration. We're allowing different sections of the story to, to land in our sci-fi story in our world. So we have some freedom and flexibility to tell a, a broader, a broader story and, and really dive deep into those characters and take some time. And so in that, uh, you know, our worldview as, as Christians is coming through um, in the writing and in the characters that is informed by the Gospels. It's informed by the New Testament. It's informed, um, you know, by the Psalms and the Proverbs. You know, we're allowing a lot of that stuff to kind of weave its way into the story. And, and so where we're filling in the gaps of how we're telling those characters and, and what their, their particular views are and perspectives and what they're doing, we're, we're trying not to allow it to be, you know, that we... We do something that's outside of the biblical realms are, like we said earlier, maybe sticking our own agendas into it, but rather allowing the Bible itself, you know, from perhaps other sections of the Bible, the gospel stories and the Proverbs and Psalms to, to influence how we're going to paint those characters. And so in a lot of ways, uh, that would be a hope for me is that even, you know, while we're learning some kind of tie back to the historical biblical story, you know, uh, even more so that we're learning the, the biblical values of what it is that is, you know, what it is that God requires of us, you know, uh, through these characters as well, you know, so allowing other, other good portions of the way here, I'm quoting Micah, you know, what does the Lord require of you to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, these things are coming in, we're allowing the other sections of the Bible, those truths to be part of this story in that world of characters as well. Not to mention we, at the end of every book, we have a study guide. Um, that would point directly back to the Bible. And um, that's one of the things that we really also want to, to you know, kind of focus on and, and say is Dominion is entertainment, but it's also uh, a resource. So if you're a pastor, a, uh, you know, a, a youth leader or whatever, and you want to engage your, 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 your people in a different way to, to really kind of get more uh, imagination into your Bible study. Uh, it's a really good, it's a really good resource to do that. And uh, our, uh, the uh, CEO of Terminus, he's also a Bible student, former Bible student, he really put some time and energy into making really good, uh, comprehensive uh, study guides for for Dominion. Something you said, Baron, really resonates with me, you know, as much as I have a tendency to not look favorably upon David. You see the grace he had for somebody who had made him an enemy. Um, you know, in our day and age in which we're, it's like we're waiting with bated breath for somebody we disagree with to slip up, to make a mistake. Um, one of my favorite passages from First uh, Samuel's First uh, Samuel 24, and uh, it's titled David Spares Saul's Life. But what a lot of people don't know about the nuance of the story is Saul goes into a cave in which David and his men are hiding. Saul has no idea they're in there. And th the biblical translation basically is Saul went into the cave to go to the bathroom. And like he's in his most vulnerable <laughs> place that any of us can be, you know, imagine somebody breaking down the door when you're sitting on the toilet, if you will. And yet all David does is just cut a sliver of his robe off, mm -hmm. you know, and come out and show him, hey, man, I, I could have taken you down, but I didn't, you know, and I, I think that says a lot about uh, his his character and, and a lot about how we approach the division we're in today. Um, you know, one of the most fascinating aspects of the story, and you alluded to this earlier, um, is there's actually an influence of women in, in this comic book series. And when you read the biblical narrative, um, Saul's wife 
and and his daughter that ends up marrying David. They're really secondary characters. They're they're overshadowed in a highly patriarchal society. Typically, they're portrayed in shame, but not in this story. Um, so, why was it important for for you to to have their voice in the story? Um, Baron, we'll start with you. Yeah, I I did it for you know the young women out there who actually do read these types of stories. Um, young girls, I know Daniel has his girls who, who, who love the story. I, I, you know, just, just as, you know, for those of, of you guys out there who haven't picked up the book yet, please go get it. <laughs> uh, but the, the, all of the characters are, are anthropomorphic characters or animal characters. And so the, the uh, animal head on human body, um, a lot of them are symbolic you know, the, the lineage of the kings are lions. And then of course, the, the, the crows are, represent the, the Levitical order. Uh, and so, you, but the reason why I did that was because I wanted to uh, take out race and culture and all that from our storytelling. I want people to be able to still, anyone from here to Bangladesh or whatever, to look at meaning and see yourself somehow in that but that also bled over to the the female characters as well uh, I really want a, a, a young girl to be able to pick up dominion and be proud of what she sees uh, as far as some of the characterizations are concerned um, a Hedoim, as I was doing my research there she's mentioned a few times a few times within the, the, the story uh, and once she's mentioned uh, as the daughter of whoever, I can't remember the name. And then there's the other time she was mentioned kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, David took her uh, as spoil after Saul was, was killed. Um, so I'm like, man, that's not cool. <laughs> so <laughs> this is why, this is why, uh, and McCall also, she was a trophy. So it's like, okay, yeah, you know, if you, if you do this, you know, I'll give you my daughter or whatever. Uh, for David to to defeat Goliath. And so the thing is, although her story was a little bit more nuanced and we saw a little bit more of her, um, you know, in the story, we can all kind of remember those of us who know the story. Daniel and myself, we, we were saying, how can we elevate these characters so that they become more? They can become just as pivotal, just as integral to the storytelling. And so this is where when Daniel was saying, this is not allegorical, this is, it's inspired by, this is where we took artistic license to put more meat on them bones and say, okay, well, you know, uh, let's make a, you know, McCall into a, a freedom fighter and, and this, uh, this beautiful, she's, she's a dual character. She is a pampered princess of dominion, but she's also got this kind of a, a second hidden life where she, you know, has commandeered one of her father's old uh, mech suits. A, a mech suit is kind of like this kind of a big gigantic robotic suit powered by a person on the inside. And she goes to the crumbling edges of Dominion where things are really, really kind of like the, the wild, wild west. <laughs> and she basically helps people. Um, without her mom knowing who she would definitely look down on her for doing something like that. And she, the, the mother, the queen of Hanawim is the backbone of dominion. Um, I patterned her after um, uh, Queen Nefertiti from Egypt, who 
oddly enough, had a, a husband who was losing his mind. <laughs> Pharaoh Akhenaten was, was crazy. He was certifiably nuts. However, he was one of the only monotheists in Egypt, which is interesting too. So I'm like, oh, there's the interesting parallels here. But, you know, Nefertiti would take the king, the pharaoh's signet, and she would basically be, you know, paying taxes, you know, putting out edicts, waging wars, doing everything that a king or pharaoh does. That's a Henoam in a nutshell. But she is uh, a, a creature of, of the, uh, the order of things. She knows that there are certain things that the royalty should do and should not do. And these are the things that she instills in her children or she would hope to. And, and Daniel is writing a nice kind of a tug of war between the queen and the princess and uh, uh, all these things that make rich, thick, wonderful conflict and storytelling. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's, it is remarkable what you've done here, you know, because you get, you get a little bit of the flavor, especially, um, McCall is, is such a fascinating character, like especially from some passages within 2 Samuel where there's this incident where you know, David celebrated bringing in the ark, but you see her passion um, that's there. And it's remarkable what you have done because, you know, for, for all of uh, the knocks among religious tradition, especially from the um, Judeo-Christian tradition, and especially the exclusiveness or submissiveness that is often put on women, we, we see Jesus and I was just actually working on a sermon series for, for Easter, you know, the, the very first person to proclaim uh, and preach an Easter message is a woman, you know, and, uh, and lo and behold, here is a group of guys you preach it to, and they don't believe her, you know, so mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's fascinating <laughs> uh, what you've done here. Well, you know, as, as a child of the 80s, uh, with a continued obsession with Thundercats, I'm dying to know if they had any kind of inspiration behind the design uh, of this comic book. I mean, I can't help but to say, I, I would be lying. <laughs> I'd be lying. If Lionel had nothing to do with the design of, of the characters. Yeah, man, I mean, listen, you know, and, and you know, our, our CEO, Mark, he would also agree. He's like, you know, there's a lot of things that you can see that are inspirations in Dominion. You see Thundercats, you see Voltron, you see Robotech, you see uh, Star Wars, of course, Dune. Um, of course, Game of Thrones. I would also say a lot of C.S. Lewis work, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I take a lot of C.S. Lewis into Dominion too, especially when it regards communicating truth. Uh, and, uh, and Daniel also is, is a fan as well. And, and he, Daniel constantly reminds me of, of little quips and things that C.S. Lewis would have said. <laughs> <laughs> and it really he helps he really helps keep me uh centered when it comes to that and our mission daniel yeah, take us, we try yeah. to we go ahead sorry well i was gonna say briefly take us through kind of that creative process of taking a story from the bible and giving it a kind of a futuristic twist as far as the yeah. narrative's concerned well the cool thing about this has been i've got to come in as a writer and be able to play in a world that baron already had created uh so he created this amazing uh first chapter you know and he had a pretty well roughed out before I was brought on to to work on the project so he had the world he had the sci-fi ships the characters the lions and everything so I was able to just kind of step in and be like all right now how can I take all these these elements and have them pay off all the all the grandeur and all the potential that we've got in front of us 
Um, so a lot of what I'm doing now is basically uh, working out these different characters and their motivations and what they are. And like we were talking about with the female characters, they're real, they're real people in this story. They have their own, their own goals, their own motives uh, for why they're doing what they're doing, their own personalities, you know, and, uh, and they all conflict. You know, the mother, Ahinoam, doesn't uh, agree with Michael's perspective on how she should best serve the kingdom. You know, Jonathan and Saul are at odds with each other. We haven't talked about Jonathan much, but he's, he's a very complex character as well, needing uh, his father's approval, uh, having a, a lot of his own ability and potential to be a great leader and a great king himself. Uh, but allowing the Saul's narcissism and problems to get in the way of him ever stepping into that role. Uh, and so we get a very, a very dynamic family environment, um, a very, uh, you know, tense situations where these characters can't really all get what they want without the other ones not getting what they want uh, in, in that. And of course, David, in his entrance here in the next chapter, as we're, we're working on now, uh, David will be entering the scene and really messing everything up because he's going to come in and kind of shake up the whole the whole thing and and uh, change that dynamic up with each of those four that we're talking about. You know, the the parents and the two siblings, they're all going to have unique uh, a unique vantage point on David and what that does to the kingdom and to their family. Uh, Jonathan becoming his best friend, Michael falls in love with him, which is another interesting point we were talking about the other day. Is uh, Baron had mentioned, you know, I don't want it to feel like a trophy kind of thing, you know, with Michael and David, because we're getting closer to writing that section now. And, uh, and I was like, surprisingly enough, the Bible actually says that Michael was the one that loved David, which is cool, because, you know, it's, uh, it's not usually mentioned in that term is rarely used for my memory, uh, you know, that, that anybody loves somebody like that, you know, it's, it's, it's there once in a while. And I think uh, Jacob loved Rachel, you know, and that kind of thing. But usually that's not really the focal point of the of the verses. But in this case, Michael did. And so we've got and, and like you said, there's some passion there in the scenes later on with the way she deals with David. Uh, she lies to her father to to protect David, get him out of the out of the kingdom when he's on the run. Uh, Jonathan does the same, you know, Jonathan's out there protecting David while still living at home <laughs> with his father. He, you know, the two, both the children are are helping David to be, you know, basically a enemy of the state. Uh, very, very complex characters, um, a lot of strong desires and motivations. And so the more we develop that, uh, the easier it is to write awesome scenes and to see how this is unfolding. And so we're really allowing those major plot points in the biblical story to anchor it you know, and be like, we're going to come back to this and it has to be consistent. You know, whatever, whatever in-betweens we're writing need to land us back, you know, where the biblical story tells us it does. But uh, it gives us a lot of freedom, though, to go, how did they get from, from this part of the story to this other part? Like, there, there was a way that this happened. These characters interacted and it brought that next, because the Bible doesn't always tell us the details why it happened. Sometimes it's just that this next thing happened, right? And then they did this. But but why is the question I like to ask, you know, coming to the table, why are they doing this? You know, what would make somebody go from being like this toward one character to then turning like this, you know? And so we're getting to kind of get into that world and really expound on that and kind of explore what, what drives these characters and these people. Um, and then of course, from there, uh, we get to go into the sci-fi part of it and be like, well, now where they're going, right? So Being we, able to just bounce is... around planets and and, and you know, we're building a galaxy of of just wonderful little features and and each planet represents 
like a little a little city or a town that you would see in the, in the Bible. Maybe Bethlehem is a planet now, by, by the way. <laughs> so right. uh, it's just uh, just being able to just have that that the this new world that we're creating. Uh, you know, I have a twin brother and, and he's not a Christian at all, but he does love Dominion. And he's he asked me, he's like, well, I mean, you know, you're only telling the stories from the Bible. I'm like, yeah. He was like, well, what happens when that's over? I'm like, well, I mean, actually, to tell you the truth, <laughs> there's so many years of, of stuff that we can, I mean, we could probably never end up with their stories if we're, if we're mining from the Bible. There's so many wonderful different facets and corners that we can go to. Yeah. Well, um, I've, I've got so many questions, but uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I guess, lastly, you know, what's your hope for your, your readers? Uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. Oh man, I, uh, I hope that they're just going to enjoy a great story. You know, that's, that's the first and foremost thing that I think about when I'm writing this, I want it to be um, true, you know, and honest to the human experience, uh, to reality as it is. And we're allowing, like I say, the biblical principles and truths to be able to influence that, how we're depicting it. Um, but, but ultimately I want it to be uh, a, a joyful experience, um, a real experience you know where you can say you know this i can see myself in these characters and in this story and then also to be you know inspired by by this to go back and take another look at the biblical text uh to say you know these these characters were were real people these were real stories god did uh work through through these people in this way um and uh, to be able to to take that on with fresh eyes and be able to uh, continue to draw that next new thing that you didn't quite catch was there in the Bible, you know, and, uh, and add that to your understanding of who God is and, and what he wants from us. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, like I say, mostly uh, just have fun. It's a comic book, you know, it's supposed to be a good time. Baron? The reason I, why I created Dominion was to, number one, get people interested in the Bible again make the Bible great again, <laughs> get, get, get people, not just children, but, but people in general, um, somehow figure out how to get them interested in reading the Bible and telling a really cool sci-fi tale. Um, sci-fi is not the biggest thing in the Christian realm. And I get that, but if you do it right, you can uh, find legitimacy in, in a lot of Christian, uh, you know, uh, minds. And that's one of the things we're trying to do. We're, we're straddling the fence. Yes, Dominion is the Christian Star Wars. It is. You know, I am the Christian George Lucas. Daniel is Steven Spielberg. This is who we are. You know what I'm saying? We, and we don't, we're not ashamed to say that because we believe in the quality of our work. Our work can stand toe-to-toe with any Disney property, any Marvel property. It can be on the bookshelf right next to them. Uh, and so we, we wanted to uh, have quality artwork, fantastic storytelling linked it right back to the bible and so being able to um, bring in uh, a, a new generation of bible readers uh, it, it's really what we want to do so we we even have a whole new um, portion on our website specifically for small group resources and so uh you know like i said before you know don't be afraid of of, of of the sci-fi elements or, or the fantasy elements it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you it's not we're not out to hurt anybody we're really trying to elevate the stories of of these wonderful characters in the bible and introduce them in in, in a way to a new generation i was going to add that too baron uh 
we just were talking yesterday about C.S. Lewis and talking about the, uh, the baptism of the imagination, you know, and, and using myth and legend and storytelling, and in this case, sci-fi, to do that. To, you know, he said, um, you know, in that new movie, I went and saw The Most Reluctant Convert. It was really well done. They did a good job. But he says, my imagination was baptized and the rest of me took a little longer. And I think that that's, that's pretty accurate for a lot of people. And so that would be another goal, I guess, is, is just coming at it from that angle uh, to be able to ignite that, that wonder and that joy and that experience in people uh, can, can lead them to the truth, you know, and, and who God is. And even if, 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 you know, people don't get the biblical references, at least they can enjoy a good read. But our hope is to be able to plant seeds, you know, and, you know, Dominion may be the only Bible some people will ever read. And, and that should be okay, because our goal, our job is not to save anyone. Our job is to plant seeds and then let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do with that. And so uh, that's why we have a huge fan base of non-Christians who actually really love the book. And so uh, our, our goal is, you know, we, we are, you know, ministers of the, of the gospel, you know what I'm saying? But we're using our tools that God gave us to do, to do just that. Our guests are Dr. Baron Bell and Daniel Hancock. The comic book series is Dominion Fall of the House of Saul. If you want to stay connected with Baron and Daniel, check out terminusmedia.com. Baron and Daniel, thank you for making the time to have this conversation. Uh, the design and colors are gorgeous. The storytelling is brilliant. The book itself is high quality with this sheen on the pages. Uh, what, what an incredible work of art you've created to inspire a new generation to read the sacred stories. Thank you so much, Andy. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. BSK offers multiple ways to pursue theological education, helping you learn and grow in your area of ministry. Programs include a 75-hour Master of Divinity degree with concentration in BSK's areas of emphasis, including black church studies, rural ministry, and pastoral care. For ordained ministers or lay leaders alike, BSK offers nine-hour certificates in black church studies, rural ministries, and pastoral care, as well as two exploring ministry certificates for general ministry training. BSK also offers additional subject-specific training with Flourish workshops in subjects such as Introduction to Youth Ministry, Essentials in Youth Ministry, and the upcoming The Flight of the Soul of America. Now enrolling for fall 2022. Apply today at bsk.edu. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF Podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platform. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Central Seminary, the CBF Church Benefits, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Check out cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. And, uh, oh yeah, I think we mentioned that you should uh, join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support. 